How do you picture Jesus coming to this world? How is it that you see this baby, this child? Today is a song, Carol Away in a Manger, that is one of those songs, if you weren't here last week, basically what we are doing through this Advent season is is following a journey of carols that we've known for our entire lives, carols that we have used in church and Sunday school and schools forever, songs that you know from rote memory, really. If we didn't have the words up there, I'm sure most of us could get through at least two of the verses of Away in a Manger. We might get a little iffy there when we get deeper in, but you know the first verse, and you just start singing it. And what we've been trying to do is to to shape these songs in a new image, to shine a new light on them through music, through last week we had a drama, next week we're going to have a ballet. Yeah, husbands, we're going to have a ballet in here. It's going to be okay. This week we had a little video. In the back we have people from around our community that have given us their artistic representations of these songs. They are uh, from various places, but they're all connected to us somehow. And, and they've done their photographs or paintings or whatever it is that crazy woman in the middle has done. Um, it's my mother. Uh, whatever she has done, you know. They've done these, and she gets this tape too. That's going to cost me at Christmas time, apparently. Um, they've done these representations of these songs so that we can see them in a new, in a new light, so that they become more, more apparent to us what they mean. Because on the face of them, when we just sing them, they might not necessarily do anything for us or do anything to us. But when we begin to see them anew, they can change our entire life. So I encourage you to continue to come during this season as we explore these things, to go take some time and look at the artwork that has been given to us. And on Christmas Eve, we will have a silent auction uh, for those pieces of art. Uh, and we are going to give the money to uh, buy clothes, warm clothes for the people under the bridge that we go down and serve fishing under the bridge. So we encourage you to, to take a look, and if you like any of those things, especially those incredibly wonderful creations that my mother created, um, please, uh, we encourage you to see that on Christmas Eve. And I'm not coming back from that comment. I know, it's it's gone. But today is a way in a manger, and... You know, when I hear that song, when I see, I love the second verse there where a cattle is lowing, the poor baby wakes, but no crying he wakes, basically goes on, no crying he makes. Yeah, right. I mean, come on. A baby wakes, I have a child, and I know what happens when a baby wakes up from a sleep. They don't wake up peacefully and go, oh, hello, mother, hello, father. I know he was God and everything, but he was a baby. We have this picture in our mind of what it must have been like. How many of you have a nativity scene at home? Yeah, almost everyone. Jenna and I have one that we were given by my mother our first year of marriage. Uh, She gave it to us, and we put it out every year. Uh, And it it came from Neiman Marcus, uh, which is where all good nativity scenes and religious thought and stuff comes from. Uh, But we have this nativity scene that we put up every year, and and I, I never really look at it. You know, we put it up every year and we get it situated on the same table every year and and have the lamp over it. You know, it's the same setup every year, but I never really look at it. This year when I went, when we went to the movie, The Nativity, 
uh, as a community and got to see that. I went home and looked at our nativity scene. And yes, that's right. That was November 30th, and we already had our Christmas decorations up. We do it right after Thanksgiving. Get over it. If you haven't done it by then, you're late. Um, When I went to look at our nativity scene, I noticed uh, an amazing thing. Apparently, I I know this must be true because it came from Neiman Marcus, but apparently Mary, Joseph, and Jesus were from Norway. Blonde hair, blue eyes, all three of them. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have that on my table. Where's a Sharpie? (laughs) But have you ever looked at your nativity scene? When Grace was born, she was born on December 20th of last year. uh, The children's ministry gave us a nativity scene for Grace. And uh, I just, I want to show it to you. I have it up here. For those of you that are far away, really, I don't think anyone can see it except maybe y'all. Let me explain the situation. It is a nativity scene with a stable. Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus. We have the shepherd and the requisite sheep. We have a cow. Probably not really there, but we have the cow and the three wise men. Um, And we have this special addition on the top. The angel of the Lord. And I, I, I would be remiss if I did not do my, uh, my due diligence here. This one, I left mine at home, and so I had to borrow one from the children's ministry. This is available for purchase for $15 in the children's ministry bookshop. You can reach that bookshop by entering the children's ministry wing, first door on your left. There you go. Gina Beal, are you happy? Um, but, I mean, apparently, according to the good people of VeggieTales... Jesus is a carrot. Little baby carrot. Mary and Joseph are squashes of some sort. The sheep are peas. Shepherd, little green bean. Obviously, I wasn't there, but I'm guessing that this isn't what it looked like. But mine's a little bit more realistic looking. The one I have at home. We have little mossy stuff growing on the outside of our stable. We have, you know, the the wise men look very dignified in long robes and crowns. The shepherds look, I guess, like shepherds. But, But do we really know what it looked like? Do we really know what happened that night? From the text, if you open up to Luke chapter 2, this is really our only evidence as to what went on. I'm going to start at verse 8. That night some shepherds were in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, The Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. Here's your clue. You will find a baby lying in a manger, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Well, I thank you for coming uh, this morning. I hope you have a safe drive home. Uh, Is that all you need to know? That's all the Bible tells us. 
is that the baby will be lying in a manger wrapped in cloths of some sort. And what have we come up with in our own image? Baby carrots, little Norwegian children. We've come up with a myriad of different things. I'm sure each of you has a different type of nativity set. We've come up with all these different images that we've placed upon this. But what really happened? What was it really like? Well, I don't know for sure. Because I wasn't there and we don't have photographs. We have paintings from the mid, the Middle Ages where, you know, Jesus is dressed in this beautiful gown. <laughs> Doubtful. But we don't know. So what we have to go on is historical fact of that area. What would have, what would have a stable been like? What would it have been? Would it have been this, a great building that was constructed with wood and different stalls for the different animals like you'd see maybe somewhere in Texas? Probably not, unless you were a king. More than likely, most assuredly, it was a cave. A simple cave. Carved into the side of a hill, into the side of a mountain. Some farmer came along, some rancher, if you will, came along, found this cave, stuck his goats in there, threw in some straw after them. And that's where his goats hung out and did what goats do, eat and poop. It wasn't probably the best place in town. Of course, Joseph goes in, he tries to get other digs, but there's no room at the inn, it says. There's no vacancies. So they go and end up in this cave where sheep are sleeping, where goats are sleeping, where goats are going to the restroom. I remember what it was like when, uh, when Grace was born. I was not allowed in the operating room until they got to a certain point, and then I was allowed in. And I had a gown on, and I had gloves on, and I had a mask on, and you know, a little hair thing on, and all the doctors and nurses all were dressed the same way, and we all go in there, and it's a very sterile situation, very clean situation. I can't imagine what it must have been like to have a child in a place like a cave. can't imagine what it must have been like to give birth to a child in the midst of filth. Now, I'm not going to get into Mary and Joseph today because talk about faith. Talk about perseverance and what God has called you to do. Those two got it. But think about Jesus. What is it we talked about last week in Isaiah? O come, O come, Emmanuel. He's going to be the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace. The Lord of Lords. His kingdom will never end. And yet he's born in filth. He's put in this manger that we have made out to be some wooden box with quilts and blankets and wonderful things like that that you lie or gently lie your baby in. Which more likely was a piece of stone that had been chiseled out. Straw that goats had been lying on, laid on top of it. No crying he makes, sure. The question I have is why? Why was Jesus born there? I mean, he's God. 
And yet he's born in this place of filth, this place of humility. You would think, as Herod did, that the king of kings, this Messiah that was prophesied, would be a great person, would be a great man coming from a great family, a family of wealth and power in the community. And yet, Mary and Joseph weren't that family. His first residence wasn't a palace. What does that say? For me, when I think about that, when I re-examine the birth of Christ and where he was born, it does two things for me. The first thing is it kind of comforts me. And I know that sounds a little strange, but it kind of comforts me. I'll tell you why. I don't, I don't know what you think of yourself. I think pretty highly of myself at times. Let's face it, I'm a great guy. You're not laughing that much because you know it's true. I think that I have some talents and gifts. Every so often I think that I have created these talents and gifts and that I have done these things for myself and I go, you know what? You're all right there, Crocker. I have a, a good friend that looked in the mirror one time and said, don't you ever die. To himself, yes. Do you ever have those moments when you think a little highly of yourself? When, you, when you're looking at your surroundings and the people around you and you're like, these people are all idiots. I am a giant among them. You might not say this out loud, but in your, just maybe for a split second, you have those thoughts? I'm pretty cool. My wife's rolling her eyes back there going, oh. Here's the thing. A lot of times I go to humor because I'm hiding something. A lot of times I go to my cocky attitude that people say I have at times because I have an insecurity that I'm trying to cover. A lot of times the way I carry myself is because I'm not sure of myself. Those times when I think highly of myself generally are because I don't want to really think about myself. Here's where it brings me comfort. If Jesus Christ, the King of kings, God here on earth can be born in a place such as that, can be humbled to the point of lying in filth and feces, then I think he can probably use me too. Now, I was born in Houston, Houston Memorial Hospital. It wasn't necessarily a cave city of Bethlehem and Houston, not really necessarily alike. I've lived all over the country. I've lived in Mexico. I've lived East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. I've lived most of my life in Texas. I've never experienced poverty. I have never experienced a day where I didn't know where food would come from. I've never had to go to school with dirty clothes or holes in my clothes unless it was teaching me a lesson or anything like that. I've never wanted for anything And I try to see where my life is going and where God is going to move me and God is going to use me. And I think, how can you use me with the things I've done in my past? How can you use me for the person that I've been? Yes, I've lived a privileged life, but a lot of times I've just knocked it away and ignored it. 
Jesus was born in poverty. Jesus was born in a place full of filth. Jesus was born in a place where no one thought anything great would ever come from. And look what he did. He did some amazing things. He saved the world. If Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, can be humbled that greatly and do such amazing things, I think the circumstances of my life are pretty trivial. And I just need to let God use me. See, for me, uh, the story of the manger, the story of Christ's birth, brings forth humility. The second thing that it does for me is cause me to be a little ashamed that I'm not living my life more humbly, that I'm not living my life more of a servant. See, Jesus Christ came very humbly to this world. And from the very moment he began to exist, he began to serve. Think about it. He was sitting up in heaven with God. I don't know what they do in heaven. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I picture really big fish, things like that. I don't know. Maybe they were fishing or playing golf or something up in heaven, and God looks at him and goes, it's time. Jesus is like, we're on the ninth hole. We've got a whole other nine to play. It's time. It's time for you to leave heaven to go to earth because you have a job to do. He didn't go to the palace. He didn't go to the best place in the world. He went to the manger in a cave in a small town. He humbled himself so greatly and began to serve us from the moment go. See, the the life of Christ, that's the beginning of the story of the life of Christ. And it's a story of service and humility. Of not thinking so highly of yourself. A story of service that, you know, I read this the other day. You know, everyone serves someone. Everyone in this room is serving someone. It's either yourself or someone else. Jesus Christ served us. Jesus Christ came to serve. I wonder what would happen if we if we began to listen to this song and to, and to see this story in this manger in a different light. To see it not as maybe this glorious beginning of a wonderful life, but a very quiet and humble beginning. A very quiet and humble beginning of a life of service. And if we begin to see that, and if we begin to look at it that way and And we move out into this world and start to think, how can I do that? How can I begin to live my life more humbly? How can I begin to serve people other than myself? Imagine, imagine what will happen. Do you remember the the six people there was only three for the service, but the three people that came up that I gave $100 to, and they each came up a few weeks ago. Do you remember what they did? 
They gave. They took that $100 that I gave them and every one of them grew that money. They went to their friends and they got more money. They went to their Sunday school classes. One of them went and knocked on doors in her neighborhood. And they grew the money. And then they served with it. I don't know if you remember their reactions to this. And you didn't get to see the people at 930. Two of them were in tears recounting what they had done. Because of how it made them feel. There's a time when Jesus says, I came to give you the abundant life. Life abundantly. Think about that. Jesus Christ said, you're going to have abundant life. Now we've put on this little rose-colored glasses interpretation of that and said, I will have many things. I will have a big house. Much money in my bank account. The abundant life, that's what I want. Is it maybe the abundance of peace in our hearts? Love in our hearts. Joy in our hearts. Is the abundant life speaking maybe more to to the way we live our life and experience the world? I tell you, those people that, that were in our experiment experienced something great in what they did. I don't know if you've ever served someone, gone out of your, just your way to do something for someone, not because you were asked to, not because it was required by law or something, but because you just wanted to serve. You weren't looking for glory. You weren't looking for fame. You just wanted to serve. Remember how that made you feel. Remember how it made you feel to humble yourself and to serve. Because in essence, that's truly what you are doing. You're humbling yourself from your position in life and serving. Jesus Christ said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Plain and simple. I came to live a life of humility and service. And to prove that, Just look where I was born. Could have been born anywhere. But I was born there. Tonight, we are going to gather as a community for those who long to do so, or want to do so or something, and have a potluck supper at Cindy Boynton's house. And then we will go over to the the Bentwood Place Apartments on Austin Highway and sing Christmas carols with them. We've sent some invitations around the apartment complex to meet at the, the manager's office. And, and you know, this is just an incredible time to go serve. We're not bringing them anything. We're not taking them money or taking them gifts. We're just going to be with them, to share the joy of Jesus Christ with them, to share the love of God, to celebrate this season, the birth of a child in a manger. I encourage you, if you are so inclined, to come. You can talk to Cindy. She's sitting back at the table back there. To come. Be a part of this. Begin to see the manger in a new light and begin to shape your world in a different way. And I promise you, as you begin to humble yourself in the sight of God, 
as you begin to humble yourself and to serve others, you will experience that abundant life. The worship team is going to come up right now. And and they're going to sing a few more songs. Or so, I, I don't know actually what they're doing, but I know they're coming. What I want you to do is, is just... I want us to begin to see these words in a different light. To begin to see the King of Kings in a way that maybe you've never thought of before. Not as necessarily a baby carrot or a little Norwegian child. but as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the one who humbled himself more than we could ever imagine to come here to save us. 